This is Lead Minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSCC. I just want to welcome you to the RSCC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. There we go. There we go. Do I need to start over? <laughs> the... This is students taking this exam, and the professor said, you got to turn in the exam now. I'm, I'm walking out. If you don't get your exam to me by the time I reach the door, you're going to get a zero. And the student says, do you know who I am? And the professor says, no, and it doesn't really matter. I don't care if your dad's the president of this university. You have to turn in your exam now, or you're going to get a zero. And the student says, you, you really don't know who I am. No, says the professor, and he walks out. The student just goes back to writing and filling out his exam paper. <clears throat> Keeps working for another half hour or so. Finally, he finishes and decides he's going to take the exam to the professor's office, and he walks in, and the professor says, I'm sorry, it's too late. You, you went over the time allowed. Uh, you're going to get a zero. And the student says, are you sure you don't know who I am? She says, no, I don't know who you are. And it doesn't matter. You know, again, you, to care who your parents are, what kind of money they give the school, it doesn't matter who you are. Students say, are you sure you don't know who I am? Professors, you know, said, no. And the ex pile of exams are sitting there on the professor's desk. Before the professor can do anything about it, student reaches over to those exams, shoves his right in the middle of the stack, smiles, and walks out. <clears throat> As we continue this series about nobodies, we're going to be looking at another story today from Scripture, from John the fifth chapter, about a person who we don't know a whole lot about. We don't know who he is. We don't even know this person's name. And yet, when he encounters Jesus, his life is changed. And that's, you know, the, the series theme, you know, is when the ordinary meets the extraordinary, extraordinary things happen. And that is true about this man as well. In John, the fifth chapter, I'm going to read the first 15 verses. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there, in, now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And when, then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. And the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, 
It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to uh, get up and walk? And the man who had healed, who was healed, had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. And later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Here's an extraordinary story about a man whose life is changed, but yet this man displays little to no faith in Jesus. He doesn't approach Jesus and say, will you heal me? Will you make me well? This man is lying in an area around this uh, pool of Bethesda, you know, it means house of mercy. And we, we recognize, you know, we hear hospitals named today, Bethesda, and then it would come from this pool. And he's, there's five covered porches here where lots of sick people are uh, gathered, laying the tradition around this pool was that it had healing properties. You know, we have traditions today about, you know, certain hot, hot springs having medicinal purposes, that type of thing. That's what was going on here as well. The legend went a little bit further about this pool to say that an angel would come periodically and would stir the water. And that then the first one to be able to get into the pool would be healed. So all of these people are laying around this pool of water, hoping to be healed. And Jesus, in this large crowd of people, walks up to one of these individuals and seemingly out of the blue asks a question. Do you want to be well? Or in some translations it says whole. You know, there's no introduction here. There's no small talk. There, Jesus doesn't give a sermon. Uh, he just asks the question, do you want to be whole? That's our question today. Do you want to be whole? The word that's used here that's translated well in the NIV is not the normal word for healing. It's a word for wholeness. It conveys more than just physical healing. Jesus was concerned about more than just this man's physical condition. But, you know, there are a number of details about this story that, that seem to be missing to me when we think about it. You know, we don't know his name. We don't know much about this man at all, any of his background. Um, John does tell us that he's been in this condition for 38 years. But he didn't tell us exactly what that condition is, uh, that he, is, he has some type of dis disability. He's described as an invalid. But from his explanation to Jesus in verse 7, his answer to Jesus' question, do you want to be whole, it seems to me that he had difficulty moving, but he wouldn't have been completely paralyzed. Because he seems to indicate that he could, you know, head toward the pool, but couldn't get there first. You know, he says he has no one to help him to get into the water. He has no friends. You know, and if that's truly the case, we take that at face value, then he wouldn't have had anybody to bring him to this location each day. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that he probably was able to move some, but was just slow. You know, when I was a kid, and maybe when you were too, that, you know, you challenge somebody to do something quickly, you know, or last one ends a rotten egg. You ever say that? Or is that just me? Well, um, this man would have been a rotten egg all the time. He would have always been the last one there. He would have been slow to move. He couldn't, you know, he couldn't, have, couldn't get there on his own, but he wasn't completely paralyzed or immobile. The other thing about this story, without any expression of faith from the man, Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And he's cured. You know, Jesus doesn't say to the man, you are healed or, uh, although the next verse does say that he is cured. And the man, to his credit, obeys Jesus and he stands and walks away from the pool of Bethesda. These verses also tell us that at this point, the man didn't know who was talking to him. He didn't know who it was that told him to get up and walk. He doesn't have an idea that it's Jesus. Now later, Jesus catches up with a man, and this, at this point they're in the temple. <clears throat> and, and there the man learns that it's Jesus that, that heals him. In this story, the man never, either at the beginning or the end, addresses Jesus with any type of, of faith or he, you know, he calls Jesus at the beginning, sir. You know, in other stories, even the rich young ruler who went away from Jesus sad, he called Jesus good teacher. This man never refers to Jesus as Lord or rabbi. You know, at least from what we have recorded here, there's no expression of faith no expression of thanks or gratitude for what Jesus has done for him. And maybe even a little bit of, I don't know whether opposition's quite the right word. We get to the end of the story, you know, and the, the religious leaders are on the man because he's carrying his mat, which according to their tradition was breaking the Sabbath, was against the law. So they're on him about that. And he, but the man isn't able to say who healed him or who told him to carry his mat. But when he learns who Jesus is, he goes to the Pharisees and says, hey, it was Jesus who healed me. Now, Jesus didn't tell him, didn't tell this man, don't go tell anybody who healed you, especially don't go tell the religious leaders because, you know, they're after me. They're trying to stop me, you know. But, and you would think then, if the man had been grateful and thankful, that at least he would have just gone about his business. But instead, it seems like, you know, that immediately he goes to those leaders to kind of tell on Jesus. So, I, you know, to me, I wonder for sure where this man was in his relationship with Jesus. You know, and, and we don't know anything about what happens to that man after this point. Uh, you know, he was cured. He was, from whatever his infirmity was, he's able to walk. He's healed physically. But, you know, did he change? Did he have a change of heart? Jesus says to him at the temple, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. It's an interesting comment from Jesus. You know, 
what was going on in this man's life? You know, was this man's a condition a direct result of sin in his life? You know, Jesus, the Jewish teaching of that day would have answered that question with a very definite yes. They would have taught that uh, there was a direct correlation between a person's sin and God's punishment through an illness. That they would, the Jewish leaders would have looked at all of these people around the pool as sinners. That they did something wrong in their life and that's why they were in that condition. They would have looked upon the poor the same way. You know, but, you know, that's a pretty difficult, uh, touchy subject, you know. Um, even though in the Old Testament, you know, um, there would have been some teaching along those lines. And I want to take just a, a couple minutes here to kind of explore the relationship between sin and sickness. Um, the Jews would have taught, yes, there was a direct correlation, but... What, what does scripture really say as a whole about that? First, we can say that all sickness is a direct result of sin in general. Adam and Eve sin. If it had not been for their sin, we, we, you know, it had been, we wouldn't have been kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Well, until at least I came along, then we'd have messed it all up. Or one of you. Um, but sickness came as a result of sin. It's not how God intended the world. And God, secondly, God did warn Israel that as a nation, if they did not keep his laws, then they would suffer certain consequences. And among them could be plagues. And some of that happened, we see in the Old Testament. But it's important to remember that God's dealings with the nation of Israel are specific to the nation of Israel and cannot be applied to uh, any other nation or to life in general. And third, there are physical consequences of uh, sin. The consequences of illness and sickness that can be associated and tied directly to sinful behavior. You know, alcoholics or drug users suffer damage to their liver and other organs. Sexually promiscuous lifestyles lead to a variety of diseases. These are natural consequences of that sin and not a punishment of a vindictive God. And while, fourthly, while some illness can be directly attributed to a specific sin, not all of the illness is a result of your specific sin. You know, Jesus is very clear later in the Gospel of John in chapter 9 to correct the Jewish teaching. There's a man that they, the Jews want to know, who, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And, and Jesus, you know, dispels it wasn't because of sin. You know, there are sicknesses that we get that are not directly related to our specific sin. You know, cancer strikes innocent children who've done nothing to warrant that as that illness as any type of punishment. So, you know, unless we have some divine insight, unless you have some special revelation that I don't, it's difficult. We cannot point to someone's illness and say that is a punishment from God. But Jesus tells this man to stop sinning or something worse might happen to him. What, you know, why 
it, Jesus giving him this specific instruction. Because I think with this particular man, giving his, given what we do know about his circumstances, I don't think that his illness was a direct result of his sin. He's been in this condition for 38 years. And given the lifespan during that time, the life expectancies, um, he has been with this condition since probably early childhood, maybe even infancy. We're not given his age, but again, he, he can't be a whole lot older than 38. So I don't think that it was anything that this man did that caused his illness, his condition. So why would Jesus tell him, stop sinning or something worse may happen to him? Yeah, I think the story does reveal some negative attitudes, some sinful thinking upon the man's thoughts, some things that were holding him back. Maybe it wasn't looking at what sin caused this illness. Maybe this man's sin was how he was dealing with his illness or his condition, his state in life. And I think that's a sin that we can look at and have to really consider in our life. You know, maybe it was how this man was dealing with life that it was his problem and needed to change. And again, I think we can see that as we began to look at this man's conversation with Jesus. <clears throat> you know, he'd been sick for 38 years. Let's say you've been, you've been sick for a long time, almost four decades. Someone comes up to you and says, do you want to be well? I can cure you of this illness that you've got. What would our answer be? I would think, I would hope, it'd be yes. What does this man say? Well, I don't have anybody to help me get into the water. You know, he's, he's whining. He's complaining. He's making excuses. You know, I've, I, I'm too slow. Other people jump in line ahead of me. You know, life's not fair. Maybe that's how he was dealing with his life. And I think if we're going to be whole, Jesus is standing before us today and says, do you want to be whole in your life? Do you want to be well from whatever, not, not necessarily the physical illness and an ailment, although that might be part of it, but do you want your life to be whole, to be complete? Are we going to whine and make excuses as this man did? Or will we say, yes? You know, we make excuses, though, about our life, don't we? You know, um, you don't know what I've suffered. You don't know what I've been through to make me what I am today or what I'm like, you know. Um, or it's just my personality that I'm quick-tempered, you know. My dad was quick-tempered, or, you know, um, my mom's a constant worrier, or whatever. We make excuses about our past. You know, and it's true that we, we all have different paths, pasts, we have different uh, personalities, you know, there are aspects of our personality that, that we're born with, you know. Um, when, we have, when you have children, 
you know, especially when that second one comes along, you can tell almost from the moment they're born that there's a difference in this child than number one. There are things we are born with. We're raised in different homes. We're raised, some of us were raised with two parents in a loving home and we were raised in the church. Others of us were, were raised in maybe a single parent family or maybe a two parent family, but it was a physical ver or verbal war zone. We have lots of different things that have shaped our life. But are we going to make excuses or are we going to take responsibility for where we're at and where we can move forward? If that's what Jesus wanted for this, do you want to be whole? Do you want to be changed? Do you want your life to be different? You know, it's just so hard. It's just, and you can fill in the blank of what excuses that we make. Now, and again, I, I don't want to minimize uh, difficulties in your life. Some of you have probably suffered some significant trauma and been through some extremely difficult circumstances in your life. And I don't want to minimize that or the, the harm that it causes you. But we can't change those factors in our past. But Jesus does offer us an opportunity to move forward if we take responsibility for where we're at and responsibility for how we're going to move forward and change in our life. When we're offered the opportunity to change, we cannot allow our past to hold us back. You know, Jesus says to the man, do you want to be free of this limited lifestyle that you've led the past 38 years? Do you want a new life free from this past? Do you want a life free from the struggles that, that haunt you now, the, the hurts, the traumas, the things that go on in your life? And Jesus says to us, do you want to be free from those destructive habits in your life? Do you want to be free from the weaknesses, the shortcomings, the failings, the inadequacies that we feel that hold back, that stymie our potential? Do you want to be whole? We need to, to quit making excuses and take responsibility. Jesus said he came to give life and to give it more abundantly. He wants to make us whole. Will we whine and make excuses? Or will we allow him to deliver us from the struggles that we face? You know, and in that we have to be honest with ourselves. You know, the beginning step in any recovery process is to admit that we have a problem, that we need help. Again, you know, to look at the 12-step programs for an alcoholic or a drug abuser, you know, they have to come to terms to the fact that they need help. And it's not just that they maybe have a drinking problem, a drug problem. And it's not just that we have a sin problem in that we do commit sin. Sin is not just something that we do. Sin affects us to the core of our being. It has made us sick spiritually. Do you want to be whole? We have to be honest with ourselves that we are not, we don't just do sinful things. We are 
sinful people. Jesus says, do you want to be whole? Do you want to get past that spiritual sickness? And we have to be honest with ourselves and with God. Will we whine or will we say, yes, I want to be whole? We also have to take some action. You know, Jesus gave this man some action steps to take. You know, he did not say, you're healed, your faith has made you well, which he told some other people. He just told this man, stand up and walk. And take your mat with you. You know, I'm not saying that all it's going to take to change your life and to get past the struggles in your life is just some, you know, determination, some willpower, some positive thinking. We need help, but we need to quit waiting for a more convenient time. Jesus told the man, move, take action, take responsibility for your life, get up and walk. You see, this man was thinking, well, I have to wait until the water's stirred, and then I have to get in, and then I have to do this, and then I have to do that. You know, waiting for a more convenient time. Um, how many times do we think that or say that to ourselves? You know, I'll work on that part of my life later. Or, you know, I'll have time to do that, you know, at a different stage in my life. You know, when we're young, we're looking forward to either graduation or marriage or a job. When we get older, we're looking for the kids to grow up, move out, retire. Are we waiting to take action for a more convenient time? Jesus told the man, get up, move. We need to take action in our life as well. Not be waiting for a better time. And as we move forward, we have to focus on one step at a time sometimes. We need a large goal, a big goal at the end, but it's one step, one day at a time. You know, give us this day our daily bread. You know, there were a lot of things about this man's life that were going to be different now that he was healed. You know, he, he had survived on donations from people. Um, now he's going to have to get up and work and provide for himself. There's going to be different relationships with family. But for today, it was get up and walk. You know, what is the one thing you need to do to take action today? To say to Jesus, yes, I want to be whole. You know, we have to work to form new habits. Um, it's not enough just to stop the destructive pattern in our life. We have to replace them with new habits. You know, they say it takes 30 to 45 days to establish a new habit in our life. And we've all had those experiences probably where we've We've worked real hard to establish that new habit, but then we relax a little bit, and before we know it, we're right back in to how we used to behave and live. Isn't that exactly what Jesus told this man not to do? Don't go back to your old way of thinking, your old way of life. You know, and we need, we need help through this. You know, the man said he had no friends, and again, if we take that at face value, he was alone. But from Genesis 2, God has said it's not good 
that man should be alone. That it takes a partner, it takes help, it takes friends, it takes family. We need each other. We need helpers in our lives. We cannot get well on our own. Life and the Christian life in particular were not meant to be lived alone. We need help, we need to get support, whether it's through a life group here at church, a prayer partner, Maybe it's professional help, depending on the trauma that you've experienced. To get well becomes, to become whole is a lifetime project that requires assistance. And it also takes accountability. We need those people in our life to hold us accountable. We have to take responsibility, but we need somebody else as well to keep us on track. James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We need spiritual partners to help us stay on track. You know, and all of these that I've gone through very quickly are just the initial steps in a long process. But it begins with taking responsibility, getting rid of our excuses, taking action, taking responsibility to, yes, Jesus, I want to be whole. You know, I first started thinking about this passage and looking at for some insights and different things. I wasn't sure where to go with this story. You know, this man doesn't, you know, quite present the picture, the positive picture of someone to follow. He doesn't overtly, you know, as I mentioned, or indicate any belief or faith in Jesus. Um, you know, I even at one point thought about talking to Nathan and say, I, I want to pick a different story than this one. As I got to thinking about it, though, as with these stories, as with Nathan preached on the very first sermon in this series, we look at the wrong person for the hero. This person isn't who we emulate or to focus on. Who's the hero of this story? Who takes action first? Who's the main character? Jesus, of course. You know, Jesus picks this man out of a crowd when he, before the man responds to him in any way, shape, or form. Jesus is coming to you today in the same way. Jesus didn't worry about this man's past. He didn't say, berate the man saying, you've light, laid here on this mat for 38 years when you should have been up doing this and doing that. He says, do you want to get whole? Do you want to be well? Jesus comes to you today, irregardless of your past, to say, do you want to move forward from here, from now? Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be well? It's a perfect example of what Paul says in Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus stands before you today asking that question. If the worship team wants to begin to come forward, he extends that offer. Do you want to be whole? How will you respond? with excuses, with whining, with, well, maybe a more convenient time? Or are you ready to say, yes, I want to be whole? Let's go to God in prayer.
Father, we thank you so much for your power to change our lives. Forgive us when we fail to turn our lives over to you completely and allow you to have full control. Father, today, may each of us say to you, yes, I want to be whole. Work in my life. Here it is. And we thank you, Father, that you extend your love and mercy and grace to us, no matter what our past, what our present condition is. And you offer us a new and better future. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. It's been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8.30 or 10.45 on Sunday. Or to find out more information about RSEC, you can always go to the RSEC Family app. Or follow us on any social media platform at RSEC Family. Most of all, remember, you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.